T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Hey, welcome back to At Your Service here this evening. Brad Young sitting in with you for the next hour. Glad you're with us here on a Wednesday evening. And uh, as I mentioned this evening, if you want to text us, we've got a lot of great texts. I think I've gotten like uh, over 30 texts tonight. So that's fantastic. Keep those uh, texts coming. And uh, uh, two in particular, actually, I've got to read you two of these. One, one person texted in and said, I'm a conservative who was much happier before Joe Biden was in the White House. <laughs> now, see, that's funny. Now, come on. Regardless of your political persuasion, that is funny. And another person saying, uh, another great show tonight, and glad you're going after Sam Page. So, uh, and, and we we are not going after him personally. We're going after his policies. We're going after his lack of transparency, and we're going after his refusal to be accountable to the people of St. Louis County. That's what we're going after, and and I'm going to continue to go after him. Again, I filed today. I filed personally uh, through my law firm. I filed a Freedom of Information Act request in Missouri. It's called a Sunshine Law request uh, to get access to all the records. Now, I fully anticipate that the St. Louis County government will refuse my request. And when they do, I'll file suit. And I've already recruited uh, several attorneys, including Jane Duker, to help me file that lawsuit to get those records. This is not something that we're going to drop because accountability and transparency in government is important. It's very important. And we saw with the previous administration with Steve Stenger what the lack of transparency and the lack of accountability what it produced in our county government. It produced a felon is what it did. It produced a county executive who went to prison because he felt that he was not accountable to the folks and the citizens of St. Louis County. And as a result of that, he went to prison because of his actions. Now, I'm not suggesting necessarily that that Sam Page has done anything criminally wrong with regard to uh, this Faisal Khan situation. But we are going to enforce accountability. And that's the reason why I filed that Sunshine Law request today. And as I get results from that, I will bring them to you right here on Camo X Wednesday evenings from 8 to 11, uh, at least until baseball starts. So we will, I will bring that to you once I receive a response from Sam Page's office. Uh, one of the things uh, that Sean Michael Lyle mentioned at the top of the hour news here on Camo X was about Boeing. Now, uh, one of my many, many interests 
is in military technology. And I've got lots of friends who work at Boeing. And what's funny is I tell them about stuff that's going on with Boeing technology. And they're, and I have this happen to me at least once a week where a person from Boeing, uh, and there's lots of people that I know at Boeing, but I'll send them something in the news about a, a Boeing aircraft or a missile or technology they're developing. And they'll write back and say, I didn't know that. <laughs> and so I tell them, listen, if you want to know anything about Boeing, you just ask me. But what's interesting is, is that Boeing, that Boeing has instituted this December 8th deadline for people to be vaccinated. So if you are going to work for Boeing, you have to be vaccinated. Now, let me show you the ridiculous position that Boeing and other companies are taking on this. Because I, uh, not only has this been publicly reported, but I personally know several Boeing employees who work 100% remotely. Yes, they're working at home on their home computer and they attend Zoom meetings and they work on their computer doing data crunching for Boeing and they're going to have to be vaccinated or lose their jobs. Now, why why on earth does a person who works from home have to be vaccinated? Why is that? What what earthly reason or purpose does that serve or advance if you're requiring remote workers to be vaccinated. They're not allowing any uh, uh, any exemptions to this vaccine mandate. They're just taking a hardline position saying, if you're not vaccinated, you're going to get fired. Well, Southwest Airlines took that position until yesterday when they changed their mind. Why do they change their mind? Because what's the, the, the greatest thing in demand today in America is employees. <laughs> if you know everywhere you go, they're hiring. P- companies need workers. And if you institute a ridiculous vaccine mandate, and listen, I'm coming to you as a person who's not only been vaccinated twice with the Pfizer vaccine, I even got the booster shot three weeks ago. I was one of the first 200,000 people in this country to get the booster shot uh, because I, I believe in the vaccine. So I'm not an anti-vaxxer but I'm an anti-mandate person. And so it makes no sense legally, ethically, or scientifically to have remote workers give them a requirement to be vaccinated. It is simply absurd. And so, like I was saying with Southwest Airlines, they had to change their corporate position on this issue because they were going to lose vital employees that are necessary for the continuation of business operations at Southwest Airlines. And folks, I don't know if Boeing has thought this through or not, but they face the exact same risk and challenge as does Southwest Airlines. If you're building an F-18, an F-15 EX, or an MQ-25, or a T-7A Red Red Hawk out at Boeing St. Louis, or if you work at Phantom Works, working on some deep, black project that nobody knows about, and you lose 30% of your workforce because you try to enforce a ridiculous vax mandate, how are you going to complete those projects when you're already understaffed, even now when you don't have a vax mandate? It's going to be a challenge for Boeing, and I would hope, I would hope that they, just like Southwest Airlines, would reassess their position on a mandate because it doesn't follow the science, it's not required, 
It's not going to be required by the federal government. I can promise you that. And we'll talk about that in the next hour or in the next, uh, I don't know, 30 minutes or so. But it shouldn't be required, and they should rethink their position just like Southwest Airlines. Hey, right after this break, you know, today is uh, Vice President Kamala Harris's 57th birthday. She's 57 years old today. Happy birthday, VP Harris. And she's celebrating her birthday by encouraging churches to violate the tax code. I'm going to break it down for you here on At Your Service on X. We'll be right back. Yep. Happy birthday to Vice President Kamala Harris, 57 years old. And, uh, you know, she's not alone here uh, with regard to trying to get out the vote in Virginia. You know, in about uh, two weeks, a little over two weeks, a little less than two weeks now that I'm doing the math in my head, there's going to be an election for governor in the state of Virginia. And Virginia used to be a solidly red state. And over the years, it became a purple state. There's a very good reason for that. It's because of the growth of government has spilled over into the Virginia suburbs. And if you look at the map and you can see the trends, I've looked at this, they're available at realclearpolitics.com. And you can see how over time, as the Washington, D.C. capital has grown, because people who work in government don't necessarily live in Washington, D.C. They live in Virginia. They live in Baltimore. They live in Connecticut, they live all over the place. So as it, it has grown, the growth of our federal government has impacted the electoral votes and the electoral uh, sympathies of the state of Virginia. So where it used to be red, it's now blue because, by and large, bureaucrats typically are liberals because they're for the growth of government. So having said that, the, the Democrat establishment has really been just pulling out all of the stops over the past few months to try to get Terry McAuliffe elected as governor of Virginia because he's the former governor. They thought it was a shoe in when he started out with the election. He was miles, miles ahead of Glenn Youngkin, who's a businessman uh, who's running against Terry McAuliffe. But as an almost in direct proportion as President Biden's polling numbers have fallen faster than my hairline, uh, at that point, so has Terry McAuliffe's. And Glenn Youngkin is increasing in popularity in direct proportion to how much President Biden is becoming unpopular, not only in this country in general, but in Virginia in particular. So like right now, uh, President Obama uh, former President Obama has been campaigning. Now, Biden's not campaigning for Terry McAuliffe because they don't want him anywhere close to. In fact, Terry McAuliffe has had to distance himself from President Biden because of the unpopularity of President Biden. So in order to try to get out the vote, obviously Biden's not going to be having any part of that. The Biden administration recruited Vice President Harris to start campaigning for Terry McAuliffe. Now, what she did was this. She recorded a video. It was played in over 200 churches last Sunday. And it's going to be played in many of those same churches, if not more, this Sunday. So here on Wednesday evening, we're right smack dab in the middle of this video being played in churches last Sunday and again this Sunday. And the problem is, 
blatantly violates Section 501c3 of the IRS tax code. Now, you're probably saying, oh, Brad, you're kind of over, uh, you're exaggerating here, you're mischaracterizing what she said, but this is, I'm going to play you, this is exactly what Vice President Kamala Harris said, and I edited it down for time. I didn't uh, take different cuts or parts. I just took one section of it so you could hear exactly what she said, and I'll break it down for you in terms of how what she is saying in that video violates federal law. Here is Vice President Kamala Harris. Virginians, you deserve a leader who has a vision of what is possible and the experience to realize that vision. Terry McAuliffe is that leader. In 2020, more Virginians voted than ever before. And because you did, you helped send President Joe Biden and me to the White House. This year, I know that you will send Terry McAuliffe back to Richmond. So early voting has already started. And this is the first year that you can vote on Sunday. So please vote after today's service. And if you cannot vote today, make a plan to go vote. Go to IWillVote.com. You heard in that video that she specifically endorsed Terry McAuliffe. She specifically instructed church members, and it was primarily African-American churches, to get out and vote. She even said, after church today, go vote for Terry McAuliffe. Now, if you look at Section 501c3, everyone's heard of that section. Almost every church in America, every not-for-profit corporation is under Section 501c3. That's why when you give money to your church, it's tax-deductible. But Section 501c3 specifically, and I'm reading here, prohibits uh, churches or any 501c3 organization, prohibits the participation in or intervening in, including the publishing or distributing of statements in any political campaign on behalf of or in opposition to any candidate for public office, period, unquote. Now, that is directly from Section 501c3 of the tax code. So it specifically prohibits any 501c3 organization, which includes every single church that that video was played in, from endorsing any candidate or participating in or distributing any statements of, on behalf of, or in opposition to any candidate for public office. And you just heard Kamala Harris instructing church members to go vote for Terry McAuliffe. What you didn't hear in the rest of the two and a half minutes of that video was her going on and on in great detail about how great Terry McAuliffe is, how he has helped uh, you know, pass legislation in Virginia that helped all of these different groups of people and how wonderful he would be if he returned him to be governor. It was a specific, direct, and an unequivocal endorsement of Terry McAuliffe. And it was played in over 200 churches. Now, if I were the legal counsel for the White House, I would point out that in a technical sense, the White House may not have violated the law because last time I checked, the White House is not a 501c3 organization. So you, so they're not necessarily bound by that section of the tax code. But by recording that video and distributing that video to over 200 churches, the White House is specifically 
encouraging all of these churches to violate the tax code. That's what they're doing. And what's interesting here is there's a complete conflict of interest. There's a complete conflict of interest here because who would be enforcing that? In other words, if a church violates Section 501c3 of the tax code, who would be charged with enforcing that violation? You guessed it, the IRS who works for President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. So even though they may not be specifically violating the tax code, they're certainly inducing organizations and encouraging organizations to violate the law, and they've got a conflict of interest in the event those churches do, in fact, violate the law. And to me, it's amazing that this is not getting more coverage in the mainstream media than what it's getting. In fact, it's not getting, it's getting almost no coverage at all. And to me, it's outlandish that this type of violation of federal law is completely overlooked by the mainstream media. Now, I got to tell you, years ago, I, I know we're coming up here on a break, but years ago, I had, uh, we had someone who, uh, a politician came and spoke at my church here in St. Louis, in the St. Louis area. And when this politician came to speak, I told him, you can't talk about politics. We, no one's going to endorse you. No one's going to encourage people to vote for you. And you have to talk about moral issues only, not about political issues. And so that's what he did. He sang, he sang a hymn. He talked about growing up in the church. And then he talked about uh, things of moral nature, not political nature. And that was it, because I instructed him, you know, I don't want to get our church in trouble here. And there was no endorsement of them. And yet, at the same time, I had a church member come up to me and say, what you're doing is illegal. And I said, why is it illegal? Because you're having a politician speak at church. I said, no, no, no. You can have a politician speak at church. You just can't endorse them or have them address political issues. I've done the research. And yet now, when someone on the left is doing it, all you're hearing is crickets. I know we got some folks here that are holding online. I'm going to get to those callers in just a moment, but I got to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to take your calls 314-436-7900 at your service on KMOX. Well, did uh, Vice President Kamala Harris violate federal law? You be the judge. 314-436-7900. Hey, let's go to the phones. We got a call from Quincy, Illinois. Hey, welcome to KMOX. Hey, this is you. Hi. Hello. Hello. Yeah, I'm not from Quincy, but close. My name is Warren. Oh, hey, Warren. I'm sorry. Uh, your name's not up here, but it came up as Quincy. So, Warren, welcome to CamelX. Uh, What's on your mind? Uh, you are great. CamelX should have you on a lot more. I mean that. They, okay. I, I'm sorry. Wait, I couldn't hear you. Could, could you say that again for me? You are great. <laughs> I, <I'm> pull- <laughs> Sorry, I just couldn't help but ask you that. I, I, I heard oh, you. I Thank you very much. You know what? You're, you're running out of people to talk to. <laughs> so, no, you are. what's you're, on your mind? You're terrific, Brad. Thank you. I've turned up, turned on to you several times. You're Thank on you. Cam Wax. I want to listen. Thank you. Okay. Well, I'll be on every Wednesday night for the foreseeable future, so uh, tune in on Wednesday nights. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. Two subjects. You pick it. Too much, not enough room tonight. You can call me back. You got my phone number. Yeah, I do. Okay. Stan Kroenke and his financial report. Yes. Okay. Second subject House Un Americans Committee meeting in Washington, D.C. I was there. Really? 
Well, yeah. t- tell me about that meeting because I, you know, I've got a lot of opinions on Stan Kroenke, but but I was I was not even born. Bad. I was not even born yet for right. the House uh, 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 subcommittee meetings on American, American activities. Okay. Tell me about that. How I, is I it that out, you were there? Okay, I went out to visit my U.S. congressman from here in Illinois, and I asked the office, what is something to, to go to? They said, oh, the, the thing to go to is Senator Joe McCarthy mm-hmm. in the House Un-American Committee meeting because the leader of the American Nazi Party, Lincoln Rockwell, was yes. going to testify. Wow. Boy, bring and the popcorn that was, for that. That was raucous. <laughs> <laughs> rockets okay every every press camera every tv camera in the world is there for that one and lincoln rockwell showed up in his uh nazi uniform mm-hmm. yeah you know, he was he was there to capture the attention of the press he knew how to play it and it he worked. did sure yeah it worked. yeah and senator joe mccarthy was about to hang him now and so i went to the Took my congressman's advice. I went to the whatever the meeting room was. Well, it was packed, and I had to stand in the back. Mm-hmm. That was okay. So they were throwing arrows at each other. Each one was creating national attention. That's what it amounted to. Well, I don't think anything was small. Well, yeah, but, out. but you you obviously Warren, you heard me earlier when I was talking about I uh, did on this day in in 1947. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the Red Scare uh, investigation yes. started in Congress. But the point I was making, right. and I, I want to see if you agree with this, but I was trying to compare the 1947 okay. to today. And as much as the liberals and progressives were outraged at being investigated by Congress in the 1940s and 1950s, we have much the same today if you're a conservative today. If you're a Christian today, if you stand up against uh, 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 moral issues of the day, whether that's homosexuality or transgenderism, you're canceled by corporations, you're fired by companies, you can't get work in Hollywood. Do you see any comparison? Because you actually experienced the Red Scare investigation. Do you see any comparison with that today? No. Yes and no. More in 1967, 1968 than today. And what's the difference? Much more news coverage by guys like you. What do you mean by that? Well, if you've been if you've been on the air in Camelback in 1967, they would they wouldn't have gotten by with this stuff. Okay, hmm, interesting. Okay. I hadn't thought of now, that. Well, social media has played a, a part, a big part, a big part. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, you could go to any kind of a cable or free social media site and I'm on one that's free. I'm not going to plug them on the, on the radio. I'm not going to do that to it, but it's fantastic. The amount of information, information flow is the key. In 1967, you turned on the evening news. That's all you had. All you had was Walter Cronkite. Yep. Yep. Eric Saveride, Walter Cronkite, John Chancellor, you name them. We believed them. We turned on, turned the dial, and they were there, and they told us what Joe McCarthy was doing and Lincoln Rockwell was saying at the halls of Congress. And we believed it. That's all we had. Hmm. It was the diversity of opinion because of the restriction of uh, access to real news then compared to now. Of course, we didn't have, we didn't have a cell phone then. 
you know, I was lucky to have an antenna on top of my house. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, well, you're back. I, I'm not in Quincy. I'm west. I'm east of that. That's okay, Warren. But, I just uh, didn't have your name up here on my call screener uh, software, so I wasn't okay. sure of it. But, Warren, I want to appreciate you. I want to thank you, rather, for calling in. I appreciate no, your perspective. No, Stan, Stan, Stan Kroenke. You haven't heard this. Oh, okay. Go ahead. What's your Stan Kroenke story? He owns, he owns 2,000 acres of land in Santa Barbara, California. Okay. Why is that important? Because in Santa Barbara, California, they raise grapes and produce wine. Lots of grapes. Okay? Right. I had supper in Santa Barbara, California, several nights at the Hilton out in Lompoc, California. You want to find out what Boeing is doing? Look into Vandenberg. That's a Lombok. But I had supper several nights a week with the guy who appraises vineyards. Okay? Mm-hmm. The space between the vineyards, between the vines and Lompoc or Santa Barbara, California, is going for this is his value of that land. $15,000 an acre between the vines per month. Wow. That's pretty expensive. And he asked, and he asked me, do you know Stan Kroenke? <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. so. Okay. That's the value of his 2,000 acres in Santa Barbara. And if he's telling the St. Louis Rams or the judge down there, well, I got 2,000 acres of growing weeds or corn or something, that's crap. <laughs> that 2,000 acres is worth $15,000 an acre between per the vines. Per month. Per month. Per month. Well, I'm going to tell you, Stan Kroenke may have to sell a few of those acres, my friend, because I— I am with 97.6% certainty. I'm telling you that the Rams litigation with St. Louis will settle before it goes to trial. And the reason Good. and the reason it will settle is because people like Stan Kroenke and Robert Kraft okay. and all of the other uh-huh. owners in the NFL, number one, they yeah, don't want to disclose their financial holdings. They don't want to publicly admit how wealthy they are, which they the judge is forcing them to do. But secondly, and more importantly, they don't want to be Gruden'd, meaning all of those yeah. emails that John Gruden sent uh, 10 years ago uh-huh. came out and ruined yeah. him. Think about what the emails right. and texts are between the owners of the NFL. All of those could become public. Robert Kraft is discussing his his massage parlor activities. He doesn't want to disclose those publicly, and that means that they will settle. I agree. Okay. What if Stan Kroenke said, I have 2,000 acres, we're growing grapes? That's fraud. Yeah, that's fraud, because your your point is it's worth 12 times $15,000 per acre per year. So, yeah, I get it. No, 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 no. Per month. Yeah, per month. But it's $15,000 an acre per month times 12 gets yeah. you per year. And then, you know, that's just the rental value. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah he, right. he there's a reason why he's worth uh, at least $5 billion. And Grace is certainly part of that. When it, and whenever I hear all those news stories from the news department about Kroenke and all the Rams and all this stuff, I again, I had supper with the appraiser. Yes, you did. <laughs> How interesting. Well, Warren... You've got interesting yeah. stories to tell. Appreciate you calling in this evening on Camo X. Good show. Thank, Thank you. you, sir. Keep listening. Well, yeah, that I, I, I can almost promise you. I'm not going to completely promise you because there is no with litigation. There's no way to make a 100 percent certain uh, uh, conclusion. But based upon my experience as an attorney, I can tell you that I think this case will settle.
And the only question is, is it going to settle for money or is it going to settle for something less uh, liquid like giving St. Louis a franchise, an expansion franchise for the NFL? Now, I know a lot of national analysts are predicting that the settlement will include uh, an expansion team for St. Louis. Now, I'm not saying that that can't happen. I'm simply suggesting that that's unlikely because it still leaves us with the same problem. How do we build a stadium? So if they want to sell an expansion team to a group of St. Louis investors and the NFL would build a stadium as their settlement of this litigation, that's a possibility. But keep in mind, any settlement has to be approved by all the plaintiffs. The plaintiffs are St. Louis City, St. Louis County, and the uh, St. Louis uh, uh, Convention Bureau. All three of those would have to agree to any settlement terms. And given the disparities between St. Louis City and St. Louis County, I just think that that type of settlement would be unlikely. The far more likely settlement would be for the NFL simply to write a check. And when I say the NFL, let me clarify something. It was disclosed about a month ago that when Stan Kroenke uh, talked the NFL into signing off on his desire to move the Rams from St. Louis to Los Angeles, part of that negotiation involved Stan Kroenke personally signing an indemnification agreement with the NFL regarding all damages and all attorney's fees from any litigation that arises as a result of the move of the team. What does that mean? Indemnification agreement. That means that Stan Kroenke agreed to reimburse all of the owners and the NFL itself for all damages, awards, settlements, or attorney's fees related to the litigation. So at some point, if this case settles for, say, $750 million, if that's the eventual settlement amount on this litigation, that's not coming from the NFL. That's not going to come from the owners. That's going to be coming directly from Stan Kroenke's wallet. Now, again, he's worth 4 or $5 billion, but if he has to pay $750 million plus all the attorney's fees, and listen, he's got the most expensive attorneys that money can buy in St. Louis. They're running up millions of dollars of attorney's fees. He's got to fund all of that. That will get his attention. What do you think about this? I mean, we talked about this last week, but do you think this case is going to settle? Do you think it'll go to trial? Or do you think that the, uh, the St. Louis area will get an expansion team? What would you like to have happen? 314-436-7900. Would love to hear your thoughts on this. Brad Young at your service. We'll be right back. Well, we're winding down here with a little Panama from Van Halen going into the last segment. Glad you're up late with us tonight. Much appreciated. Uh, we had a lot of great calls, a lot of great texts. Thank you very much. Appreciate that here on At Your Service. Hey, there's one story here that I absolutely had to get to because the, the headline that I saw today, and actually saw this in more than one publication, was that the Supreme Court won't block vaccine mandates. And the implication was, because as you well know, President Biden has stated, although we haven't seen it yet, it's uh, it's what we call in the computer industry vaporware. You promise it and promise it, but it never materializes. Uh, he's promised this vaccine mandate through OSHA, where it will require every company with 100 or more employees, it will require them to uh, force all employees to become vaccinated. Now, 
again, as I said, I think in the last segment, my position on this is very clear. I am pro-vaccine, very pro-vaccine, but I'm also anti-mandate, and those positions are not, uh, uh, those are not opposite positions. And here's why. The, the law on this, and we can debate whether this is good or bad, but the law on this issue is actually quite clear. And the Supreme Court yesterday upheld a consistent opinion with this legal doctrine, and that's the following. Under the Tenth Amendment of the United States Constitution, the states uh, are empowered to have all power not delegated to the federal government. So there's nothing in the Constitution that gives the federal government power over health and safety rules regulations. So that's reserved for the states. And as far back as 1904, the U.S. Supreme Court held in the case of Jacobson versus Massachusetts that a state can have a vaccine mandate. Now, back in 1904, it was, I think, the smallpox vaccination, and the state of Maine had uh, required everyone to get a smallpox vaccination. Somebody challenged it. Supreme Court held, yep, that's a state power. So yesterday, when the Supreme Court refused to block this vaccine mandate, the implication from the mainstream media was that, well, see, this is the reason why Joe Biden can issue a presidential vaccine mandate through OSHA because the Supreme Court won't block it. And, folks, that is the worst legal reasoning ever. And I'm telling you that that is not what will happen when it's applied to the federal vaccine mandate from President Biden. Why do I say that? Because clearly, if you go back to Supreme Court precedent from 1904 through yesterday, the states are empowered to require a vaccine. That's what the Supreme Court held. So when Maine signed into law a vaccine requirement that requires hospitals and nursing home workers to be vaccinated or be fired, that was a state law. And so the Supreme Court from 1904 until yesterday has been very consistent. The state can mandate a vaccine. But there is not one case. There is not one statute. There is not one regulation. There is not one legal precedent of any kind that allows the federal government, Joe Biden, the president of the United States, or OSHA to require employers to require all employees to be vaccinated. Zero. And we saw exactly how this is going to happen. This is what's called an overreach of an executive agency. And we saw exactly how this is going to play out just this summer. You remember that uh, the White House issued an eviction moratorium. And, they, and President Biden even had a press conference. Well, not really a press conference. It was a speech to the country where he said, I don't have the legal authority to prevent landowners, to prevent uh, uh, people who own houses, landlords, I don't have the power to prevent them from evicting individuals who can't pay their rent. And then Cori Bush, our own congresswoman here, a member of the squad, goes out and camps out on Capitol Hill, and she tweets the entire time, and she FaceTimes and does all this stuff uh, uh, from social media, and generated a backlash by progressives against President Biden does we need an eviction moratorium. So then he goes and issues one through the CDC, the Center for Disease Control. And folks, that was shot down by the U.S. Supreme Court by six to three margin, and it took about two weeks. 
from the time it was issued to the time it was stricken, took about two weeks. And if you look at the Supreme Court decision from that case, the Supremes ruled that the reason it was stricken was because there was there was a beyond the reach of an executive agency to do what in effect is legislate by law when there's no congressional authority to prevent landlords from evicting tenants. And we have the exact same situation with OSHA. There's never been any congressional authority that authorizes OSHA to require vaccine mandates. None. Zero. And so when this case comes up to the Supreme Court, which it will, as soon as President Biden gets it through OSHA, which eventually will happen, when that does happen, I promise you, folks, it's going to be stricken. Now, we can debate whether we should or not on a state level, but that's really what the Constitution is designed to do. I think that should be the position of abortion. If California wants to have an, have a, a laws that allow abortion, let them. If Missouri wants to have laws that prevent an abortion, let them. And the same should be true with vaccines. And people should be allowed to vote with their feet. If you don't like, if you're, if you're a progressive and you're in Missouri and don't like it, listen, Illinois is not too far away, okay? You can vote with a U-Haul and go to Illinois. But what's interesting is if you look at the migration patterns of Americans today, they're moving out of blue states and they're moving into red states. I got a friend of mine who is in Nashville, and I just talked to him this week, and he said, he said we can't handle the growth of the folks moving here. It's explosive growth because people are coming here. It's low taxes. It's corporate friendly. There are plenty of jobs. Come on. And he's he was almost like working for the Chamber of Commerce for Nashville, Tennessee. And that certainly isn't the case in Illinois, where people are fleeing uh, uh, faster than you know drought-stricken Africa, uh, and they're just trying to get out of Illinois as fast as possible. So they're voting with their feet, and that's really the way that it should be. And so when this vaccine mandate is eventually issued through OSHA, folks, I'm telling you, it will be stricken. And the fact that you haven't seen it uh, promulgated yet shows you that when President Biden made that announcement, he did so as a PR stunt. In other words, by announcing he was going to do it and never actually doing it, he convinced companies like Boeing, like Southwest Airlines, like Delta Airlines, like United Airlines, and the list goes on, that they should be requiring vaccine mandates of their employees. Thankfully, Southwest Airlines saw the light, and they're not requiring it now. Boeing should do the same because it's not going to be required on a federal level. Hey, Brad Young sitting in with you this evening here on X at your service. I'll be back next Wednesday evening. So uh, uh, until then, make sure that you stick around for Our American Stories at 11 o'clock here on X. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.